0: Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. In the spotlight on Money FM 89.3.
1: You're with Primetime. Bharati Jagdish and Timothy Go with you. Now, Singapore's hawker culture, it dates back to the 1800s. 1800s? Yeah. Picture those early migrants selling quick, affordable meals on the streets, in the town squares and in the parks. Of course, those individuals didn't attend any courses to (laughs) learn how to be a hawker. In fact, of course, there were no such courses back then. Maybe you learned from a family member or a friend or you just picked it up on your own.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you know, to make ends meet, you just have to sell whatever you can sell and whatever you know how to make. But in recent years, the next-gen hawkers who are sent to universities abroad to become (laughs) bankers, lawyers, engineers, broadcasters, Mm. and more, (laughs) well, they are leaving their field of work to run hawker stalls, starting their own or inheriting stalls from their families because their passion for hawker culinary culture.
1: Well, fast forward to the end of 2020 and Singapore hawker culture was actually added to UNESCO's representative list of the intangible cultural heritage of humanity. Of course, the recognition from UNESCO is meaningful for hawkers, particularly those belonging to the next generation who are charged with carrying the tradition forward. With all of that, a hawkers collective program was launched as well in the middle of last year.
2: This initiative by Kiosk Collective with NTUC Learning Hub will deliver quality training for these aspiring hawkers. So to talk to us more about what this is all about, So Guan Kiat, franchise manager, Kiosk Collective, and Daniel Ang, hawkers collective program participant, are on the line with us this Friday evening. Hello. Yes.
1: Hi, hello. hello. Hi, guys. Nice to be talking to you all about this today. Now, while we know of so many people who are entering the trade, we've also heard of many people who are leaving the trade, haven't we? So let's start off by talking about all the difficulties that hawkers in our midst have been facing in the last two years, especially during COVID-19. I've seen some next-generation hawkers come and go during this period as well. So how do you keep interest in something like that going?
0: Well, what we, uh, what we have come together to put this program, Hawkus, collected together with NTUC Learning Hub, as you have uh, mentioned, over the last two years, the work environment, like the marketplace, has gone through a tremendous change, and it has caused a lot of Individuals to relook really at their future. What we have done is we then examine the market situation and then decided to take this initiative, a uh, Saints Mid 2021, to as a social enterprise to support and groom any individuals who desire to move from one vocation, one lifestyle to another, which is trying to become a hawker. It's not an easy thing to transit from one lifestyle to another. So we came up with this initiative to offer... Any individuals who want to be a hawker by bonding them with legendary and successful hawkers.
1: Mm. The thing is, Guan Kiat, I've also heard, as I mentioned earlier, of hawkers who have left the profession in the last two years because of all the difficulties that I mentioned as well. The higher costs, people being unwilling to pay so much for hawker food, and some of these have been next-gen hawkers. So how do you compare those experiences with the experiences of the ones who are now trying to enter the industry?
0: If we sit back for a moment and think about hawker trade, hawkers in the lab, what you call pioneering hawkers, in the last three, four, five decades, have never ever thought beyond the fact that here is your hawker stall, they cook good food, and automatically people will come and eat. Now, the last two years has flattened the market, Mm-hmm. And suddenly, legendary pioneering hawkers discover that nobody is coming to their stalls because they have not gravitated from a lifestyle that they were to today's lifestyle, the contemporary social media influence that the market needs in order to, to continue to push the business. Mm-hmm. So really, two, two elements come into play today. Good food, and good marketing. Yeah. So what we have done is, this is the goal that we have uh, to enable
2: the hawkerpreneur to achieve a smooth and confident journey in their endeavour to succeed. Okay, let's bring in Daniel into this conversation because Daniel, you are helping your mom run a franchise stall of a chendol stall, and you are also a first-time hawker. What made you decide to get into this hawker business?
3: hmm okay i think uh because uh, my mum uh has always been wanting to uh you know get into a hawker uh, and and open up a food store but just haven't got the time and the opportunity to get into it hmm. so actually when we come across or when we chance upon this uh, hawkers collective and their program We thought it will be a good opportunity for her to start a dream through this initiative. Uh, But, however, my mom is actually not very conversant in English. Okay, being a senior in her age, and of course with all the new technology. So, so and we see like this uh, digitalization, you Mm. know, in in. Trade nowadays, so my brother and myself actually decided to step in, you know, and help out on this uh, portion.
1: Okay, so tell us more yeah. about what else you're getting out of this in terms of the benefits of being part of such a program. Guan Kiat mentioned that people would learn from legendary hawkers. Tell us more about those experiences. Mm.
3: Okay, I think uh, we are first time hawkers, and even though a uh, hawker seems like a relatively you know, easy kind of uh, occupation, simple things like just rent, uh, looking for a location, renting a store, get, get the equipment, start cooking and selling to earn money. But we realised there's actually a lot of other expect to look out for. So, when we come to know of uh, Hawkers uh, Collective and their extensive experience in the F&B, instru- uh, F&B industry and, of course, guidance by uh, GK, uh, one, one kid, he gave us very clear direction what to look out for even before we started. Yeah, so we knew what we were getting into. So before we it for a store, you know, GK and his team uh, guided us mm-hmm. and went on with us to how to source for location, understanding the demographics of this location and okay. what's the customer flow like. In terms of uh, the timing,
2: Daniel, you're a millennial. You're 38 years old, right? What sort oh, yes. of modern, contemporary elements did you put into this hawker stall that you and your mom are running?
3: Okay, because we're running a, a dessert stall, it's a relatively simple, not much cooking, mm-hmm. and we are a franchisee. So most of the ingredients done in the uh, central kitchen. So on our end, uh, we, we actually did a lot of uh, marketing kind of strategy with uh, Kiosk Collective uh, in terms of bringing our, you know, the store into the uh, online world. Uh, right. on social media on, you know, Instagram, Facebook, reaching out even through WhatsApp, Telegram group. Yeah, I think this is some aspect that the older generation hawkers are not that familiar with. It can Mm. be
2: confusing and intimidating because, you know, it's not easy to understand all of these things with uh, payment systems as well now that's evolving into Right, and
1: a lot of it is in English and many of the hawkers, the legendary hawkers, they're not conversant in English, Mm -hmm. they're not literate. So all of those things, I think, really got in the way of their progress, especially because of COVID-19. They all had to get on board and then it was challenging. But generally, being a hawker is challenging because people tell me, you know, you work really long hours and your profits might be good, but there are times when the cost of ingredients goes up so much and you can't really pass on all that cost onto your customers. So there are challenges with profit margins as well. So, Guan Ket, perhaps you could step in here in terms of, you know, making a case for people to become hawkers in this day and age when actually being in this industry is very challenging.
0: Yes, yes. Yes, it is. That's why when we developed this program, we came up with a process that what we call end to end. On the one side we reach out to legendary what we call legendary hawkers. Mm-hmm. And they are defined by NEA as hawkers who have been in business at least 15 years. Mm. And if you look at the hawkers that we have, what we call hawker mentors, they're all legendary. Yeah, many of them actually, the second generation, have taken over the business, right? And therefore, that's the other element. When the second generation takes over the business, their mindset is not like the pioneering generation. Mm. They are looking forward. So we work with them to cultivate and to put together a process that enables the other side, a new hawker like Daniel, Daniel's mum, uh, to be able to enter the trade as mm-hmm. seamlessly as possible. We the process covers and everything from having them analyze the suitability of a location mm-hmm. where we study demographic, right, and uh, mm-hmm. sustainability to do the business to supplying them to making sure that as they as they envision the goals that they want to achieve in sales life will follow. Mm. At the same time we reach out to control the cost of goods in order that this side on this side Daniel can achieve a profit to pay for his friend and salaries and make a profit.
1: Mm. Of course, some people have also pointed out that when the legendary hawkers are not able to get their kids to take over, some of those recipes as well get lost. How are you ensuring that, you know, that wonderful char kway tiao recipe and the cooking techniques, <laughs> you know, the wok yes. frying techniques and everything are passed down if yeah. their own successes do want to take over?
0: Well, you know, if we sit back and think for a minute, Mm. Okay. With every type of food, chakwe tiao or laksa, mm. there are hundreds of hawkers, mm. right? And everyone is sort of a vine that the mine is bad, mind is good, you know, mind is really, really good. So actually, they are all good. It's a question of how can we take that and replicate it authentically when they want open a branch, so to speak.
2: Or even when you want to modernize or automate some of the processes, will the quality, the texture, mm. like things like texture, for example, will they remain the same?
0: Yes. Yeah. So, so all of this, you think about today's contemporary uh, methods of doing business, uh-huh. right? It's all possible to replicate authentically because of uh, technology. And mm. also, what we do is, uh, yeah, there are certain hawker styles that really need uh, for cooking, right, for example. Mm -hmm. So we SOP all of the process. We apprentice the new hawker to Mm -hmm. the mentor, right, so that he becomes comfortable even way before he opens his store. He knows what he's going to get into. And he learned that
2: process. All right. Uh, before we let you go, Daniel, do you have durian chandol in your stall?
0: <laughs> uh, no.
1: You <laughs> don't. Telling, uh, to the <laughs> you yeah. know, Tim has been talking to me about durian chandol, and I'm like, I've never tried this. So here's an idea for you, Daniel. Maybe you could put this on your menu, huh? It's a franchise. Yeah, we can explore. <laughs> yeah, why not? We we can give you a lot of ideas. Just invite us to your stall. There is one more thing that I'd like to ask you guys about. I used to talk to a food critic before who would say that actually the skill that goes into making hawker food is at a very high level. And in fact Singaporeans should get used to the idea of paying a little bit more for hawker food, for that plate of chakwe tiao or for that chain doll, that bowl of chain doll. Because it is of high quality and the reason that a lot of hawkers are not making a lot of money these these days, is that the, the prices are set too low, and customers expect prices to be too low? Do you find that to be a conflict of sorts? Guanqiat, perhaps we could start off with you. Is hawker food worth more than what we're paying for it, and should we get used to the idea that if you want premium ingredients and you want premium cooking techniques, it's going to cost more?
0: Well, if we if we again start back and consider ourselves as customers, when we go to a hawker centre, when we go to a coffee shop. Or when we go to a food court, our mind sets, yeah, price expectation will differ. That's true. We Matt. expect, yeah, we expect uh, going to a hawker centre where it's hot, right, sitting around in open air, the food to be cheap. However, when you look at it again and you see how the hawker business has gravitated. Today, in hawker centres and also coffee shops, there are contemporary hawkers, Innovate. All right, and who aspire to add value, you know, to the dishes that they serve. Now well, this differs very much from the old thinking, the pioneer thinking of Chakwe must only be three dollars. Or if I can do it at two eighty, I will. Mm. But the fact is if we tomorrow the four of us want to go and eat and we see that this guy is selling at four dollars, but he has added a lot more into the plate. Mm. He won't mind paying for it. Right. If
1: he has done that with skill, of course, you don't just yes. add for the sake of adding, right? And that is the key, isn't it? So while we talk about reinventing hawker food or modernizing hawker food to be more accurate, we also have to ensure that some of that traditional goodness is still preserved, don't we?
0: Absolutely, yes. yes. In fact, that is the basis. Of, if you think about the hawker food, mm. there's just basically two ingredients. There is the basic, basic ingredient, which could be rice, which could be noodle, bean sprouts, for example. Mm-hmm. And then there is what is called the secret recipes. <laughs> Whenever yeah. we eat, yeah, when we eat hawker food, typically what makes us really like it is the taste, the flavor. It could be the sauce, it could be the marinade, it could be the way they do the chili and so on. But that makes the food stand out. Hmm. So this is where uh, the focus should be uh, Hawkers who want to continue to perpetuate and grow will look at being able to have capability to keep on improving their secret recipes exactly and, yeah and for us, we don't mind paying. more, $0.50 more, if we like the food
1: so much. Mm -hmm. We should be open to the idea of doing that as well. Thank you so much, Guan Kiat. So Guan Kiat, Franchise Manager of Kiosk Collective. And thanks so much to Daniel Ang as well. He's a Hawkers Collective Program participant. All the best to you and your mom, Daniel. Thank you. All right. Thank you guys for joining us on Prime Time.
2: To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg.